This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We are now about to start our question number five of our question and answer portion uh, over our recent teachings and our teaching we've been teaching on are, are you prepared for the married state? And again, over the course of those teachings, we open it up for questions from everybody uh, anonymously to submit their questions that they have about the teachings or about being prepared for the, the married state. And again, we are now on question number five. And as I always do, I want to reiterate None of these questions are silly. They come from, the majority of these questions, we like to think anyway, come from, you know, our members here. And none of these questions are silly. I want you to understand that these are, this is the avenue that God has given us so that we can learn His ways and, and His methods of doing things the right way. Um, and if you don't ask the question, then you'll never know. You know what I mean? You'll never have the answer that you need. Um, so none of those questions are silly. Um, and I want to say again, like I said before, we thank you for these questions because uh, in our study time again and going over the teachings, it just it ministers to us all over again and helps us, uh, you know, us individuals as ministers in the married state and those who are, you know, wanting to be prepared prepare for the mayor state as well. So we appreciate these questions. Don't think none of these questions are silly. Always be prepared to participate because God has something for you. Um, so let's start off again before we, before we begin with the definition of marriage. I think it's always good to set that tone before we start. So again, the definition of marriage is it is a divine institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. I, I just want to reiterate those things again. Make sure that you keep that in your, in, in your mind when we go through these teachings because it all flows from here. And one of the main things that I want you to keep in your mind today um, as I say this question is that it is for a lifetime. Okay, so you know, making that decision to get married is not one to take lightly. It is for a lifetime, and this is something you have to stick with. This is something that you are committed to. So keep that in mind as I read the, the fifth question that we have here. So here's the question. It says, is there a time frame for how long dating, courtship, and engagement should last? I'll repeat that one more time. It's a real simple question. I, I can appreciate this question. Is there a time frame for how long dating, courtship, and engagement should last? And, I, and one thing I did want to say is we, uh, as we brothers up here answer these questions, and I want you to understand this is not, these are not three different responses. This is all one response. Um, so when you, when you hear from one person and you hear from another person, please connect these things. They're not three different responses. So it can't be something like, okay, I like what you said. I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to do that, but not this. And all of these things need to be together. And, that, and that's the same thing in all the, the questions and answers that we get. This is one response together that we're giving you. So again, um, I'll read the question one more time. Is there a time frame for how long dating, courtship, and engagement should last? Uh, so first thing I want to do is I want to turn in, uh, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I think it's very necessary that we read the scripture and remind everybody, you know, about God's timing. And again, remember, as I said, you know, pertaining to this question, marriage is a lifetime. You know, we don't want to rush things, right? It's for a lifetime. But let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And it says, To everything there is a season. And, to every time, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of man to be exercised in it. And here's my favorite part. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So one thing I want you to say before we dive into this question I want us to understand is that you know, there, there's a season to everything. You know, you you think you know, am I? How long should we wait before we get married? But there's a season, as as, as it just said in the scripture, there's a season for everything. But your seasons should be in God's hands. You don't want to go into these seasons out of. You don't want to get into these in these situations out of season because that means you're not prepared. And that's the whole premise of this teaching. Are you prepared for the married state? Is that the season you're in? Psalm says it this way. It says in, in chapter 31, it says, "But I trusted in Thee, O Lord." And my life and my times are in thy hands. See, so in these seasons, and if, if you've made God your source, all these things, all these questions, if you, you just trust it into his hands. And take it out of your hands because he sets the direction. He sets the time frame and the direction, but you have to put it in his, in his hands. And how does he set the time frame and the direction? And, and you know, it's, it's amazing to me, all these questions, they all bring us back to one thing. He sets the time frame and he sets the direction by his standard. Who, and his standard is who? It is Christ. All that is set by his standard. That means, when I say he sets it, that means we don't set it. And that's one thing we've got to get in our mind, right? Because we have thoughts in our minds of what time frame should be, right? We have a, um, a chronological order or uh, thing, a checklist to say, you know, this is, this is the way things should be. You know, I, I finished college. Uh, I'm, I'm making a good job. I have my own house. I'm able to provide for myself financially. Everybody my age is getting married. You know, this is, this is stuff that's going on. And so we, sit, we think in our mind, and you know what? Having a, having a good job and having a car, having a house and, and things like that, being able to provide, those are good things. Those are really good things. But again, these are when we start things off in the way in our mind. Because remember, our, our, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Good things are good. But we have to make sure that our standard is his standard. And his standard is godly. His standard is divine. Right? It's a divine institution. The marriage covenant is something that God has brought to us. So, though we have a good standard on our own, we need to have the standard. Because his standard is the one that the covenant is brought, up, brought about by. And one scripture that I wanted to reference, because you know, like I said, good things can come to us all, and we think we're doing good, and we're like, well, as a good person, I think it is time for this. You know, it is time for that, but if you could turn to Proverbs chapter 13 real quick, just a quick scripture that I wanted to read before we dig into this a bit further. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, and I'm going to read, it says, oh, is it 13? I don't think it's 13. Hold on. Maybe it's 14. Yes. I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and it says, There is a way which seem, seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, and, and here's the thing, right? 
we think that the things that we have for us are right so we can rush ourselves into seasons that we're not ready for. And they're good things. You know, good things. Being financially stable and doing things like that and, 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 and being able to, to do things like that. Those are good things. And we're like, you know what? It's time for me to go ahead and move forward. And we think it's right. It's, it's good in our eyes. And God is like, but are you prepared for, are you abiding by my standard? See, because if you don't have his standard, those good, those good things could turn into death. They could turn into destruction. When I say death, I mean you won't have a good marriage. Rushing into a season that you haven't submitted to God's hands, and then now you're out of season, and now you're wondering why are things not working out in this season? Because I'm rushing things. When your standards are not, they shouldn't be your own. Especially if you've committed yourself. See, it goes back to what we said, right? What do you need to be in a godly marriage? We said commitment and submission. But you need that before you get into the place of marriage. So you're talking about what is the time frame? Well, are you committed and are you submitted where you are right now? Are you committed to the places that... Are you committed to the things of God? Let's, let's say that. Are you committed to God and what He has for you? Are you committed to the things that you... You know, like I said, the things that are good. Do those things come to your mind? You know what I mean? Are you submitted to the delegated authority in your life? See, these are the things that will show you, you know what, it's still not time for me to be in this marriage state. Because let me tell you something, marriage is all about submission, on both parts. For the husband, guess what? You have to be submitted to Christ and submitted to your wife through Christ. Okay, and as the wife, you have to submit to your husband. You have to be submitted to Christ beforehand to submit to your husband. See, all of those things play a position. You're talking about, is it time? Check yourself first. Am I submitted to authority and God's delegated authority? Am I committed to what? Not to the things that I have, not to the things that I want, but to the things that God has brought me. Because, listen, all those other good things are good, but guess what? You can find, you can find non-believers that are committed to those things. Those, and that's the difference, though. The difference in a believer and a non-believer is their commitment to God. And God first. And that's the thing, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, and usually a lot of people do ask themselves, you know, if it's time for you to get married, what's in it for me? But the question should be, what's in it for God? See, because remember, the purpose for marriage is we're, we're trying to show Christ in the church. You know what I'm saying? It's not about, oh, we're both making good money, let's bring our money together, now we're really good. We can go do this, we can go... It's not about those things that we think are good things. It's not about... Because remember, the purpose of marriage, that's why you have to go back and listen to the teachings. There's a purpose for marriage. God has a purpose for marriage. But as long as you start, you know, if you get drawn away and start thinking of, well, you know, we've been in this relationship for, for a while. I think we're, you, you know, we're financially stable. We're, we're able to do this and that. But we're, and Jesus is not at the center. You see what I'm saying? The center is what you want. And that's, listen, that's when you start to step out of season. That's when you start ignoring, listen, you, when you start wrapping around the center around the things you want, you start ignoring the standard that God has set. And then the question is, it's no longer, you know, how long should we take this? When are we going to do this? Let's do this because we're ready. Because you can see that you're no longer looking at the prize, which is out in front of you, which is Christ, which should be at the center. You're looking at the things that you want, the things that you desire. And so that's the thing, right? Commitment, submit, uh, commitment and submission to authority are things that you should see in your life. They should, think, they should be things that you see in your potential spouse's life. So these things, like we said before in the previous teaching, these things should be looked at long before you're considering these things. Because, you know, the question said, you know, dating, courtship, engagement. But before you start, it takes us back to the beginning. Dating, we're talking about kingdom dating, right? 
We're talking about kingdom relationships, especially if you're talking about somebody who's, who's going to be in, this, in a lifelong commitment in God's covenant with you. It needs to be a kingdom relationship. That's what I'm saying. You know, we have to make sure that myself, I'm, lying, I'm in agreement with God. Okay? And then at that point, if I'm in agreement with God, guess what's going to happen? His standard will read out, weed out all the rest. His standard will be the thing that we, you know, his standard will say, you know what, and, and if you're looking beforehand, it'll say, you know what, they're not, this person, or I'm not, <laughs> I'm not committed to God in this area. How can I be committed to another person in this area? I'm not submitted to God in this area. How am I going to be submitted in marriage in this area? See, this, this type of thing, this is real talk, this type, this type of thing takes some real retros. So you have to look on the inside. You have to really check your own self. You have to examine self. We said that before as well. You're going to have to really take a look and be honest with yourself. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, you, a lot of people will blind out, will blot out the standard of God because they feel, this, it's my time. Everything's lining up according to the world's standards. And one thing we have to remember is he's overcome the world. He has. A, if you want the answer on his covenant, you have to go to him because Christ has overcome the world in their answers. I've seen plenty of people in that situation, and they've all they've lined up chronologically. Oh yeah, I graduated school. Oh yeah, I got a good job. Oh yeah, I'm doing this and that and another. Oh yeah, and then guess what? They're divorced. And, and, and listen, in a year or two, and now you're dealing with something that God hates because you decided to step outside of season. And now you're even further back than you were when you were at the beginning. All you had to do was wait, but you wanted to rush. I think it's my time. Marriage is for a lifetime. Because here's the thing. But they're divorced. But guess what? You've got you to deal with that for a lifetime. I don't have to deal with that person no more. We don't have no children together. Guess what? There's scars that come with divorce. You've got to deal with that for a lifetime. You bring that into other relationships. That's why God is like, look, look, slow up. Slow up. There's a way that seems right to you. I get it. But my ways and my thoughts are much higher than that. Amen. And Mr. Hill, you were talking about kingdom relationships. And so, you know, maybe, maybe you can expand a little bit more on that. Because when, when I think about kingdom relationships, I think about the fellowship that we have one with another. And, and especially, you know, with, with young people, as, as you are... Um, developing these attachments and developing these affections, you have to make sure that you're conducting yourself in such a way that you're not being an offense, right? That you're not, you're not being someone that is causing division and dissension among the people of God. I mean, I, I hate to see that someone, you know, because their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them, you know, that, that now they have to leave the church, Right, that that because of of um, you know that things were said and that promises were made, and now someone someone is, is is embarrassed. You know they can't they can't even go into the same place of fellowship, and so now you've accomplished the enemy's work for him, because you prevented that person from hearing the voice of God. And guess what? If you are preventing people from hearing the voice of God, how are you hearing the voice of God? So so now you're, you're just you're just here to be a hindrance to God's purpose. And God's plan for what he's trying to do in this place. And so you always have to keep in mind that, you know, what we come here first and foremost for is for God. We are, this, this is not a dating scene. This is not a, a matchmaking scene. What we are here first and foremost 
for is for God and to develop as, as, as people in the kingdom of God. And so whenever, whenever we, we invite people in, whenever we, we are here, we always are, are mindful of everything that we do, that we don't want the ministry to be blamed. We don't want to cause there to be a hindrance or a stumbling. And so, we, I mean, that, is that what you meant when you're talking about kingdom relationships, that, that they're directed towards the kingdom? Absolutely. I, I definitely meant, you know, like you said, first off, you know, I said, you know, you come in agreement with God, and you have to make sure that that person comes in agreement with God as well. There's no, there's no way that you can come in agreement together in God's covenant if both of y'all haven't come in agreement with God. And again, like you said, not causing somebody to stumble. One of the main things that, you know, you just saying that brought to my mind is, you know, you think that you're in a certain season, right? And you're talking about, you know, you're talking about dating, you're talking about courting, you're talking about engagement, right? But I'll just give you just a, an example of how, how, how we play with these seasons, right? You can be, quote unquote, dating somebody. And I'll, I want you to think of the, the world's definition of dating, but you could be, quote unquote, dating somebody, and guess what words you use? I love you. You try to touch the heart of this person, of this individual. And, and here's the thing about it. No, I, I agape love him. Don't play that game. You don't tell everybody you agape love him. Don't, don't go around playing that game. And then you think, you see what I'm saying? Oh, I can tell this person I love him, but guess what? That season of love is not for dating. You're already out of season. That's not, you're touching somebody, you tell I love you. And guess what? I'm going to tell you, that word right there, it's a serious word. It's a real serious word. When I was young, I used to play around with that word and didn't realize how serious it was. That's a serious word. Because I'm saying, you don't go, like I said, you don't go around and tell everybody, hey, I love you, I love you. No, no, no. You get real intimate with this person that you're dating. You know, not, listen, not, not courting, not engaged to that you're dating. And you touch their heart with your words. And I guess, and guess what? Guess what follows that? Because that's out of season. Everything that comes with that will be out of season. You're not, you won't just touch them with your words. You'll start touching them with your hands. You'll start touching all out of season. See, these are the things that you... These are the subtle things. Am I prepared? Well, are you already telling them you love them and you ain't even... And y'all are just dating? You see what I'm saying? But again, these are the things you have to examine. These are the things... Like I said, examine internally and be like, okay, yeah, I, I have been playing. Because those are games. <laughs> Let's be honest. Those are games that you're playing. You're doing stuff that married folks do in a dating relationship. That is called out of season. So one of the things in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this is where, where the Lord is giving the Lord is giving his premarital counseling right to us. In 1 Corinthians 7, and if we look at verse 35, and for the sake of time, I'll just go ahead and, and, and read it. It says, And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that which is proper, that which is appropriate in the kingdom of God. It says that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. And so he's talking about these, the relationships that we get ourselves into, that you don't want your relationship to become a distraction. You don't want your relationship to be the thing that's pulling you away from God. You don't want your relationship to be the thing that's pulling someone else away from God. You know, in fact, you don't want your relationship to be a, a testimony and a witness to those that see you. Right? Because what you do is not hidden. What you do, everyone sees. And you don't want that to become a distraction for any of them. And so, you know, one of the things that, that Minister Hill uh, talked about was this, this, this agreement, right? And so when you're talking about time frames, you're talking about dating, you're talking about courtship and engagement, 
first of all, the focus is on you and your preparation for marriage. But also, you know, know that you can't do this. You can't do this all by yourself, right? This dating is not a solo offer. Is not a solo sport, right? It's a, it's a team sport, and so there has to be an agreement. In Amos chapter three, and I know I took you guys there to the minor prophets. God God is asking a, a series of questions to the nation, and these are questions that are self-evident that they should already know. So, they, so that they can be certain that he is going to that he's going to perform his word, and so one of the things that that, that he asked him in, in Amos three and verse three, it says, "Can two walk together except they be agreed?" So he says, "Can can two people walk together unless they agree?" And when you look at that word, especially in the context of two walking together, that means that you have to be directed. Right? That means that you have to, 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 to meet at a common place. That means that you have to be fixed and set. And what am I talking about? Agreement is not random. Right? Agreement, agreement is not something that, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just happen to come into, you know, some sort of an agreement. Agreement has to be intentional. And also agreement, it has to be expressed. Right? It's not, it's not that I, I, I think that he likes me. Or I think that she likes me, or I'm just going to say that she's my girlfriend, and it'll be settled. No, it has to be expressed. So agreement, it's not, it's not, it's not something that's random, and it's not by implication, but it, it, it's, it's, it's clearly expressed. That this is how you get out of these these uh, these mental movies that we make, where we think because we had dinner with someone that we should be planning our our, our winter wedding, right? It was just dinner, right? And so what we have to do is there must be a common understanding and both people have to direct their actions and they have to fix their will. They have to direct their actions and fix their will. And when we talk about agreement, think back on the, on the definition of marriage. We say that's a divine institution created by God whereby two rational free moral agents, a man and a woman who were born again, choose to enter into a covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. And so when you look at that definition, the first agreement, the first agreement that both parties have to make is to be born again. The very first agreement, if, if, if they're not born again, if they haven't agreed that Christ is Lord, then you don't, you don't have a relationship. There, there, is no, there is no fellowship. The agreement that I have with all of you in here is that we agree that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And because we agree that, now we all, we all have fellowship. We all have fellowship. And so, you know, in Romans 10 and 19, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you shall be saved. And so when we look at this, this first agreement that God, He sets the standard. There, there is no compromise in the standard of God. We can't say that, well, you know, he's kind of saved, or he say he's saved, or she says she's saved. But there's no, there's no evidence. There's no manifestation. Right? God sets the standard, and what is that standard? The standard is holiness. The, the standard is holiness. It's, it's, it's a separation from the things of this world. It is a, it is a setting aside to be used by God. 
And what and what is what is what is the requirement? What is God asking of us? He's asking of us our whole heart. He wants our whole heart. We can't say that. Well, I'm just going to give him part of it. But he wants he wants our entire heart. And what's the time frame from this agreement? The time frame is eternity. It it is it is throughout all eternity. That the Lord is our Savior, that He is our God. And so one of the things that, 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 that we were talking about before is that how can you say that you're committed to an imperfect person for a lifetime when you can't even commit yourself to, to a perfect God for eternity? You know, how, how, are you, how are you believing? You know, e- e- even children are known by their actions. Come on now, don't fool yourself. How are you believing what this girl is telling you about her, her love for you and her care for you, and she can't even commit to a perfect God. You know you got flaws. You know you got things that are wrong with you. How are you believing that he's saying that, 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 that he's going to give all this to you, that he's going to devote all this to you, that he's going to pay your rent and buy your clothes, and he can't even pay his tithes? He How is he going to commit to you, an imperfect person, when he can't commit to a perfect God. How is he going to commit to you for a lifetime when he can't commit to God for all eternity? And so listen, for the sake of time, I'm just going to press on. The second agreement that you enter into is that you enter into an agreement. He says, you know what? I know that you are an imperfect person, but I'm going to commit myself to you for a lifetime. And again, because you made that first agreement, and we know that God sets the standard, God also sets the standard for marriage. God also sets the standard for marriage. And God's, God's standard is that husbands are to love. God's standard is that wives are to submit. And we read those scriptures as, as if those are two different things. But if, if, if we actually read the scriptures, go to Ephesians chapter 5. We see that submission and love are, 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 are requirements on both parts. Ephesians 5 and verse 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Right? That, that you're submitting yourselves, that both parties are submitted one to the other. And how are they submitted? Because they fear God. Because they, they can submit to each other because they are first submitted to God. And then it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then in verse 25 it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so what, what I love about this is that the scriptures is, is saying that, you know, the, the same way that you're to treat each other is how I've shown you in my love for you, in God's love for you. He said he, he's, he's demonstrated in his love for you how you are to love one another. One example that, that I'll just real, real quickly touch on is when, when um, we, we talk a lot about Boaz and about Ruth. And if, if you read that, the, 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 if you just read, just read all of Ruth, especially chapters 2, 3, and 4, if you read how, how Boaz first comes, out, comes into contact with Ruth, right? You know, you young ladies think that you need to do certain things in order to attract a man. You know what, what Boaz first saw about Ruth? Is he first saw when he first saw her, he saw her, she was at work. She was she was at work in a place where 
Naomi, the authority in her life, had directed her. If you really want to be noticed by a man, put yourself under authority and get busy under authority. Men, if you're looking for a good woman, look for the one, look for the one that is under authority and that is busy not with other people's affairs, not meddling in matters that don't pertain to her, but that is solely concerned about the kingdom of God. You know what he did? He went, he went and said, well, what is, what is, what is known about her? What's, what's, what's her story? What's her reputation? And it was, it was, she wasn't known for her fine dress or, 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 or her beauty, but what she was known for was the care and concern that she had for her mother-in-law. In Ruth, in Ruth chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, you know, uh, Boaz is talking to Ruth and he's telling her, this is what I've heard about you. He says, I want to I make sure that, that I make things easier for you because I know you've had a hard time. And he says in verse 12, it says, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. He's like, look, I, I, I'm not here to make up your deficit. I'm not trying to be a sugar daddy to you. The Lord, the Lord is going to pay you. The Lord is going to give you what you deserve. And it's because you have come to trust in the Lord God. And what I love about Ruth is that she, she, was, she didn't isolate herself. Boaz didn't even try to isolate her. But instead he said, you know what? I, I recognize your work. I'm not going to be hanging around you and, and, and on you like a puppy dog all day long. Go, go and hang out with, with the handmaidens. Get with, get with the other women. And, and Ruth, she took her counsel. She took her counsel from Naomi. She took her counsel from the authority in her life. And at one point, Boaz says, well, you know what? I think this, this, I'm seeing this person, and I see her coming to work. He observed her over time, and she, she wasn't flirting with the, with the young men. She wasn't being a busybody. He says, I might, I might want to take this to another level. But he, he didn't come to her with that. What he did is he says, I'm going to go into those that are in authority, and I'm going to make sure that I am accountable to delegated authority for all the things that I, that I intend to do. And he presented himself and he presented his case before the men of the city. Listen, it, it, young, young women, if you got a man that you think is something, is he willing to present himself before the men? Is he willing to place himself in front of the men to be judged by them? Whether his motives and his deeds are evil or whether they be from God. He put himself in a place where he could be seen. And when you look at Ruth and Boaz, again, we talked about people and times and seasons. And you think you need to go through college. You think you need to get a good job. You think you need to get these things settled before you, you, you're at that place. But Ruth and Boaz were in completely different situations economically and their family circumstances. They were in completely different situations. Well, how did they come into agreement? They both trusted in the Lord God. They both trusted in the Lord God. And that is the point where they came into an agreement. Amen? I just wanted to say, you know, he's talking about Ruth and Boaz, you know, and talking about how Ruth was, you know, attended to her mother and listened to the, the counsel from her mother-in-law and how, you know, she was 
she didn't leave when she had every right to leave and go back to her people. And the thoughts that came to my mind was, you know, what does God want from a marriage? He wants commitment and submission. And these things were in their, in Ruth's and Boaz's lives long before they even got married. Even like you were mentioning about Boaz, he, you know what? He was like, I'm submitted to the, the, the elders in this community as well. I have to go before them. Not only that, you know, there was, uh, in the scripture, there was somebody who was in line before him that, that Ruth was supposed to be before. He was like, you know what? I, I have to submit and do the things the right way. God has this for me, but if I don't do it the right way, how to, again, like I said before, our ways are not his ways. I thought, that's why we have to submit to him, because he'll lead and direct. He will lead and direct. So I thought that was really good that you called that out, because both of them, in what you just mentioned, they were committed and submitted to God. And then they were prepared for the married state. Hey Amen. Because, again, it's important to understand, like we've been saying this whole time around authority and being in agreement, right? You know, how they got in agreement, because they were both under authority. Right, it's on Ruth and Boaz. And, and, and think about this. When we go through this question, right, talks about time frame, about dating, courtship, and engagement. In each one of these processes, stay under authority. Right? In other words, make yourself accountable to authority. There should be an authority in your life that's guiding you through this. That's, that's how you can understand what the time frame is. Because authority will let you know, like, you're not ready for that. You know, because it's a progression. Right? You see the progression. Dating. Courtship. Engagement. You know, how do I move from this progression, right? Well, authority will help you to make those decisions on whether you need to move from the dating scene to now the courting scene, right? And then from the courting scene to the engagement scene. Authority in your life will help you to direct you in, in those decisions. And, and so for me, when I read this question, again, like Minister said, it's not a silly question. It's all about, and I get it, it's all about the time frame, right? How long is too long, right? And so I want to make sure, going back, we understand what dating is, Courtship is and engagement is. I think that's important because, man, we're talking to unmarried folks, right? So maybe you don't understand this. But when we talk about dating, understand what dating is, right? Dating is just meeting with an individual or a group of individuals at a specific time. Guess what? We're all on a date right now at church. It's good to see y'all. We're on a date. Every single one of us. We're dating right now. Okay, that's what a date is. And, but in our thinking, in the world thinking, we think, think, uh, we think dating is boyfriend-girlfriend. See, so we already go into dating with the wrong attitude. And Eunice will talk about that as well. So now all of a sudden, we start saying words we shouldn't say. We start getting intimate. We start talking about love. We start talking about affection. We start touching. Anyway, it, it moves into something that it's not meant to be. But that's what dating is. We're just here at a specific time with an individual. We're having fun or we're, we're discussing things. We're on a date. Okay, so then from the dating phase, you get to courtship, right? So now courtship is when two individuals, male and a woman, right, they both have decided that they want to get to know each other for the purpose of marriage. Get that, right? In other words, I'm trying to see now if this is someone that I want to be married to on both sides. So now you enter into a courtship phase. So now all of a sudden you become exclusive. But in that courtship phase, still, you're under authority. Right? And it takes two to tangle. Because you may say, I'm ready for the courtship phase. But the other person said, I'm not ready for courtship phase. I like the dating phase. Right? And that's what Minister Everhart is saying. It's a choice. You're not doing this on your own. You can't force put an ultimatum somebody say, well, you're going to be, I'm ready for courtship, so you're going you're gonna to start courting me. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm still on the dating side. 
right? You can't do that. Again, but see, authority will help you to understand. Authority will help you see those kind of things that happen. You know, authority will speak to the guy, or authority will speak to the, the their, their, you know, the guy or the woman, and say, "Wait a minute, what is going on with this relationship? How how come this other person is giving you these? You know, like we talked about last time about these ultimatums and this checklist, and you got to do all this in order to court me. You got like, oh, I, in order to court you, I have to do what? I, I'll move on. I'll pass. So anyway, that's why it's so important to understand what these terminology is, right? Because you talk about time frame, right? But authority will show you the time frame, and it takes two. Everybody's not at the same place in the season of their life, right? And you, you understand that. Um, so if you're willing to wait, that's fine, but understand what the purpose of courtship is. So don't say that you're in a courtship and, you know, you're still in high school. You, you see, you know, now you understand what I mean. That's out of season. Thank you. You're out of season, right? And so, so that's why it's important to understand around courtship, right? There, there's a criteria before you can even enter into courtship, and authority will show you what that criteria is. And then from the courtship phase, we move into the engagement, right? So now at this time, we, you, you, you've got past the courtship phase, and you're still in the courtship phase in the sense that both of you now, you've got to know one another, and you both have decided that you want to be married for a lifetime. You want to enter into that covenant. You both have decided that, okay? And so what happens in engagement Again, we do in our country what we do here. The the male, the man that finds the wife, finds the good thing, obtains favor of the Lord. You know that passage of scripture. So the male proposes to the female, right? He brings the engagement ring to her, does a proposal. You know, y'all talk about the, the engagement party where everybody loves to go be there and all the ooh and ahing, right? But in in that is is a process to that because he's going to ask this woman about marrying her, being with her for the rest of her life. And guess what, woman, women, you have a choice. Like Minister Eberhardt said, Minister Eberhardt said, agreement. How can two walk together unless they first agree? You can say no. You can put adjectives in front of no if you want to. You have that choice. Right? And, and so that, you know, just because my proposal don't mean you say yeah. Don't be desperate. And so, because authority will show you, like, did did they propose to you? And uh, here's the thing about authority. Here's the thing I love about these when we get into these conversations, right? Because if if a male proposes to a woman and they hadn't talked to the the woman's parents yet, that's not even proposal. You all out of out of counsel, all out out of authority, out of season. In other words, the male, before you even go talk to the and propose to that woman or that female, you should have already been talking to her parents. You know, know, talking parents about what? Your intentions. Make your intentions known about this relationship. That is so important. You know, again, that's that's how you go from the dating to the courting to the engagement. It's about your intentions. If your intentions is, I just want to stay dating, then you should let them know, I just want to stay dating. That means there's no misunderstanding. So don't get mad if you go on a date with me today and then I go on a date with another female the next day. You're like, well, I thought me and you. I'm like, no, I don't know what you thought, but I never, I never gave you those intentions. All right? So that's why it's important. Make your intentions known. So in engagement time, the intentions should be already known. The parents on both parties should already understand that, okay, th- this relationship is heading towards marriage and now you plan to get married. And so you have your engagement. The brother brings the engagement ring. He proposes, and then a woman says yes or no. If she says yes, now guess what? You are engaged. 
even if you don't have a date, you are now in that engagement period. Right? So now you are planning to get married. Alright? And so at this point, does that mean you're husband and wife? No. Right? So again, in these phases, right? We've been saying this overall. In these phases, intentions is one thing, love is one thing, but marriage is something totally different. What do I mean by that? While you are in dating, courtship, or engagement, there's no sex. Let me just say it up front. No sex. Right? You don't have a contract. You don't have... All you can have is intentions. Right? And the Bible doesn't say that, you know, intentions are good enough for you to have sex with one another. That's not... Get, get this. Love is not the reason why you're having sex. You have to be in a marriage covenant to have sex. Right? And so now all of a sudden you, you see, hey, all that is still off the table. You shouldn't even be discussing those kind of things because that's for the married folks. She's got to be your wife. She's got to be your husband. Right? So, you, so, so keep that in mind. That's why you want to keep authority around you at all times. They help keep you accountable. And when I mean authority around you at all times, I'm not talking about uh, your friends, other couples. You know, we love to be hanging around. Oh, I'm engaged and we engage too. Let's do... No. You need somebody a little bit more seasoned than your peers. Somebody's been through some things that can help you understand, okay, you're in this process now. This is what you need to be focused on. Right? And so that's why it's important to understand the season of your life when it talks about dating, courtship, and engagement. And keep, like Minister Hill said, you're going to keep the standard God in each one of these seasons. We're not compromising the standard God. And if somebody's pressuring me to compromise the standard God, then that means, like we said, if those are the red flags, yellow flags, run. Leave them alone. Let them go. Because when you get into the marriage, again, you, you, uh, Eberhard just, met, uh, just read it, right? You've got to submit yourself to the Lord. The fear of God, right? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? Marriage does not negate God's counsel, God's commandments. It does not. Remember, marriage is God's divine institution, right? So we can't throw out God now we marry. No, you, so you got all these things you got to have in place before you get married. We've been saying this over and over again. Right? But I think it's very important they ask about a time frame and engagement. So, so here's the thing now. How long is an engagement? We both plan on getting married. We don't have a date. How long should we be before we get married? You know, before the wedding happens, right? That all depends on where you're at. You know what I mean by where you're at, right? There's a lot of things goes into before you actually get married. And it's more than a wedding. Because that's all you think about then. Okay, let's go plan our wedding. No, you're planning to get married now. There's some natural things you need to get in place, some spiritual things you need to get in place. And when I did, you know, I mentioned spiritual uh, things and spiritual counsel. Make, let your pastor know what you're doing about your intentions. Tell your pastor. Because you're going to tell your pastor because you want them to marry you, right? Something you want to do. Let your pastor know your intentions. Because I'm going to tell you, your pastor, she will give you some godly counsel throughout the whole process. And that godly counsel, guess what that godly counsel is for? It's for you to apply it. You know, you know what godly counsel means? You know, you understand when God shows up and gives you counsel? It's not, he's not suggesting. You know, it's amazing how we look at We think we can pick and choose. With God. Well, God said this. You know, the godly, but I, I'm going to do that. Because I think I know what's best. No. When the counsel comes to you, apply it. Because your godly counsel may say, okay, yeah, I see that y'all got it going on. I see you have a date. But then the godly counsel says, I'll wait three more months. You're like, well, I'm not waiting. We don't sit on the invitation. See, here we go. 
that's what I mean. Take the godly counsel. But again, like Minister Hill said too, right? If you've already given your heart over to this person, you've already given your intimacy, you already did some things out of season, then when that godly counsel comes, you won't be able to walk away. You won't be able to, to a, a, apply it. Then all of a sudden, there's something else going on in your life. You think, oh, well, people are picking on you. Anyway, you get to a whole other level of thinking. Right? And so that's why, I went, again, that's why I'm reading this question. What's the time frame? Right? The time frame. Let your godly authority speak to you about the time frame. And then when they speak to you about the time frame, receive it. Take the counsel and walk in it. Amen? My brothers? Just one thing I wanted to, to talk, talk, touch on real quickly is that, you know, we're talking about that, that you can serve the Lord without distraction. And when you jump out of season, that becomes a distraction. When, when you are acting as though you're courting when you're just dating, now, now you're distracted. When you act like you're married, even though you're just engaged, now you're distracted. And, you know, initially I put in my notes that, that that extends the time frame, but that's not even relevant because what it does is it, it pollutes your witness. Yes. It pollutes your witness. And, and, and it's not going to stop what God is doing because God, God is all-powerful. His will will be accomplished, but it, what it does stop, it stops your ability to be a part of what God is doing. When you get out of season, when you get out of godly season... It, it hinders your ability for you to do what God is calling you to do. And when, God, when godly authority comes and tells you to wait those three months, you know what they're really telling you? Is that I see distractions in your life. And I need you to handle those distractions. Why is that? Because once you're married, those distractions, if they're not handled, they'll still be there. They will still be there. And what was that illicit sex? Before you got married, now, now, now you got a wandering eye. Right? Now, now it becomes a much bigger issue. If it, was, if it was money problems before you got married, now you're in a marriage, it's even bigger. You see, just imagine all, all, all those little things that, 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 that you're trying to deal with before marriage. When you bring somebody else into the relationship, it all becomes that much more magnified. If you couldn't get to church when you were a single... I don't know how you're going to get to church when you get married. You, you're going to be, you know, you were dragging in late before. Now you don't even come. come on. Because you have more, you've added on more distractions in, 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 instead of what God intended to be a witness to his kingdom and his glory. Amen. I have to say one more thing before we close. Uh, uh, back to what Minister Hasten was saying about, you know, the timing and the different situations. And, you know, how it's different for every person, right, timing and the, and, and the season that they're in, because everybody's in a different season. But I do want to say something that should be the same for everybody in the timing. For one thing, it's never going to be no quick timing and say we're going to get married yes. in one, two, three months, something like that. Listen, it takes time. Amen. All right, so that should be, I, I just want to clear that up, and, and, you know, with anybody. You know, how short should it be? It's never going to, it's for a lifetime. It should never be a short process. You need to take your time. And then on the other foot, you know, it's, it's not going to be an extended, not, not going to be no 10, 15 years with no individual. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if something like that's happening, you may be waiting for the standard of God to be realized in somebody's life or your life. And you're like, oh, they keep messing up here. Let's wait until they grow, until they grow. And let me tell you, if they keep getting outside of God's standard, guess what? We're not in agreement. We are not in agreement, and that's not for you. 
It's no, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not longer time for you to try to fix them or do this. And because now, like he said, you're hindered. You're not in God's will. You're busy trying to fix somebody for years after years and waiting for somebody to either propose or get ready for the marriage state. And you're all out of God's will. All out of the season that he had. You've missed it for 10, 15 years, however long you're with this individual. So I just want to make sure I say that about time frames. Don't take it lightly. It's not something short. It's not something. And then again, don't play the fool either. Don't be sitting there no 10, 15 years thinking that something, somebody's going to change when the standard of God is, is, it may be this day, it may not be that day, or the same thing for you. Don't play the fool either. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and close. Again, hopefully who will ask this question heard some things and, and glean on and apply in their lives. And that's what this is all about, you know, these questions and answering time. We just take time to, to show you the Word of God, the truth in God's Word, so that you can grow and Make godly decisions. That's what it's about. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.